0: Welcome back to the Deeper Than Blue e-commerce soundbite series. Um, I'm Steve and I'm here today with our in-house e-commerce specialist, Craig Melville. Hi, Craig. Hello. Hi. We're here also today with Mark Howes from Big Commerce, the leading SaaS e-commerce platform provider and trusted DTB partner. Hi, Mark. Hi. Morning, guys. Morning, guys. Yeah, so we've done a number of these episodes. up until now, and uh, the feedback's been really, really good. So, first of all, thank you to all the uh, all the listeners and all the um, all the positive remarks. Uh, one thing that is coming up there, though, uh, from uh, the from the feedback, is um, is the different uh, the different offerings provided by the different e-commerce providers at the moment. There seems to be a bit of confusion out there in the market as to some offering uh, their services as as SaaS, as, uh, some as pass, some as cloud. Um, so I think to begin with, Mark on to, on today's chat, I'd like you to um. So obviously, BigCommerce is, it labels yourself as a SaaS provider, uh, and really outline uh, the differences and, and why we would uh, we would you know consider a, a SaaS over over the other options. Yes, yeah, certainly. And I think the first thing to do is
1: just to clear up the the use of the word cloud. Uh, both SaaS and PaaS solutions can be delivered as cloud solutions. Uh, That term is often used to describe the on-demand availability of computer resources, so CPUs, RAM, disk space. So, um, regardless of whether you're SaaS or PaaS, they can both be delivered out of the cloud, but that doesn't mean they're the same thing at all, it couldn't be further from the truth. Um, So if we take cloud out of that and we look at what is the difference between SaaS and PaaS, then um, that's much more relevant to understand, because when you look at what the words mean, I think it helps paint the first picture. So SAS stands for software as a service and PaaS stands for platform as a service. So the key differentiation between the two is that in the one instance, the software provider is responsible for the whole solution right up to the delivery of the software, which in the case of e-commerce means the web pages. Whereas on the other, solution they're just responsible for the delivery of the platform in the cloud but you as a merchant or your agency still assume the responsibility for the delivery of the software that sits on it
2: okay so that's that's quite good thanks mark so effectively what we're saying is then SaaS is you've got as a, as a merchant less to worry about because ultimately the the provider is looking after that for you whereas with pass you've got at least two key areas to, to sort of think about and that's one the infrastructure it's sat on that's one problem on its own uh, which is completely separate actually from the the, the software or the, the uh, technology that you're using to to deliver your site
1: yeah exactly that and i think software as a service is an end-to-end provision of the solution pass is like a halfway house it's really the uh Opportunity that's been taken by on-premise providers to try and bridge the gap to what software as a service is Delivering to the market, but it, it falls massively short of um, Delivering on the same promises that software as a service does
2: Yeah, I think within deeper than blue we've we've obviously got other areas of the business that are into integration analytics and <laughs> as well as obviously e-commerce and we found actually not just within e-commerce SaaS is very much um a way people are going um it's i suppose it's based on its its consumability its convenience if you like but so from an e-commerce perspective what, what would you say is sort of like the the why why would you go for sas
1: yeah so I, I think first of all actually just the reason why there's being a massive move towards sas in general is that we're now at a point where technology is uh affordable to deliver in this way, like previously, in order to set up an environment that was able to scale and deliver the performance that's needed for merchants of all scales. And um, that would have been very difficult for a business to achieve. Five years ago, the the infrastructure, the uh, availability and the cost of all of that, I think precluded most bigger applications for making that transition, which is why there's been a lot of software as a service accounting packages and add-ons get provided. And we're now at the point, 2020, this new decade, where we're gonna see a massive change in ERPs and e-commerce and the adoption of those into the software as a service world across big billion dollar corporations, because we're now at that point from a technology perspective.
2: Yeah, I suppose as well, if you think about that, it's SaaS is um, obviously got some significant advantages there. Just to sort of throw a spanner in the works, if you like, is there a scenario where a past system would be better for somebody? I mean, I've, I've got an example of one that I'm thinking, but I'm trying to think of a, a real world use case from a commerce perspective of when actually your solution as SaaS might not be the best best offering.
1: So I think when you would want to take a pass offering um, is if you wanted to build your own solution uh, and you're just using the, the pass offering as like a the very build, very initial building blocks. So what, what I'd mean by that is you'd need an in-house team of developers. Um, you would need um, quite a, a big team of QAs, of business analysts. You, you'd need a whole software delivery team internally, just to build out what an application would be. And the downside of that is actually, you're only as good as what your own team's gonna be able to do. You're not gonna benefit from the investment of a hundred million dollar uh, organization or a billion dollar software organization that's continuing to invest and improve in improving the platform. And actually, I would argue that on-premise is better than platform as a service. Um, I I don't think the platform as a service really gives you any benefit over being able to take an on-premise solution and manage it yourself. I mean, first of all, you have to put up with whatever the provider wants to give you as far as the hosting infrastructure is concerned. Um, And if that isn't the best for your business, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. The, the reason why that's a problem in the platform as a service world is that provider is not responsible for the delivery of the application to the user you are you're still responsible for the maintenance you're still responsible for the security so you have to put up with whatever they're giving you and um, some examples of where that's causing problems is i know from a former customer that when they had a code security problem it took them 72 hours to Get from QA to production the fix. The, the fix had been approved, it had been through QA, but their past provider had a 72 hour SLA on uploading code into the production environment, which is crazy. That meant that they had three days of this security breach being on their site before they could upload the code fix to it. And I think it's further evidenced by the fact that um, the majority of our competitors' agencies refuse to use the cloud offering, um, they only want to work with the, uh, the on premise version.
2: So really what we're saying then is even if I've got, say, um a load of server space spare, um sat in my, my back room because I've I'm running a nice, nice uh, technology stack, um, unless I've got effectively an army of, of developers, then then really pass whether it be on cloud or on-premise probably isn't going to be the most cost effective for me in the long run even though it might be initially or on the face surface but when i look at the the true whole life cost of of sas versus pass or or anything in those lines when i actually take into account that actually that tin i got in the back room is good now but in five years i'm gonna to have to replace it all um and that's a you know tens of thousands of pounds um whereas i suppose with sas is it just I've got one monthly fee and that's that's all I've got to worry about and all of that's taken care of. And that, that's before yeah. I get into security concerns, I guess.
1: Exactly that. I think if you want to go down the pass route, to the, the only two reason you'd want to do that um, is if you kind of want to be a software solution of your own kind. like You don't want to use anybody's solution. You kind of want to have something that's completely bespoke, completely unique. Um, and I'd advise against that in most cases. Um, because then you get products and projects that are built in the land of one person. And no matter how good you are at building documentation and making sure processes are in place, someone in the business is going to want to get a change. It's going to get pushed through. It's going to get done. Documentation is going to get missed. No one's going to know how they've done it when that person leaves in a year. And what starts off as an idea of we can build this great solution that's unique to us quite quickly unravels into something that's um, fallen behind the market in terms of what it offers that is nowhere near um, as performant and also leaves you wide open to lots of risk in the future
2: yeah and i've, I've been reading actually quite a lot online at the moment about um <laughs> I, i've got a, a terrible habit of reading competitors case studies and and sort of blogs and things as well just to keep up with what they're doing and A lot of them, uh, of your competitors, if you like, that are past solution uh, offerings, uh, are claiming that actually SaaS is really restrictive and you can't do what you want to do with it. But I I can't say I've come across that using BigCommerce for the last, uh, I think we've been partners with you guys now for over a year, and we've not had a problem that we haven't been able to to solve one way or another. But how would you counter that? How would you say that, that SaaS isn't restrictive?
1: Well, first of all, I think it's a general perception that people have of uh, software as a service. Um, uh, and to some extent, it's true even with big commerce. Like, you can't edit our core code, but that's for a very good reason. It's because you benefit then of all of the great things software as a service delivers by us taking care of the hosting, the security, the infrastructure, the upgrades, the patching. We deal with all of that for you. What's really important, though, is that that doesn't affect its extensibility, um, which which is the key part, because what you wanna be able to do is to take a platform and be able to configure it and manipulate it to work in your way, whether that is integrating into third-party systems, whether that's building out user experiences, or whether that's developing functionality that's unique to your requirements. Those can all be achieved on Big Commerce. And the reason that we can do that is we've got these really robust APIs that enable you on the front end and the back end to build out all of that. Um, so, yes, the core of Big Commerce isn't accessible, but actually that gives you loads of benefits and you're not then restricted. Because what you've got is full extensibility. I mean, what it essentially means is that you just have to approach solving for a problem from a different angle. Um, I've never in my 18 months of being at BigCommerce personally been presented with a requirement that we've been unable to sell for.
2: Yeah, and I think I suppose then the, the question, I suppose, back to those competitors would be. Why would you want to uh, to amend the core code? You know you've got uh, the capability to to go completely headless, actually, on big commerce for that matter. And we'll, we'll probably talk about headless in a, in a future um, soundbite. But if you can go completely headless, therefore the front end is 100% editable and can be created from scratch if you want it to be um near enough everything's open by by api certainly anything that you'd want to add amend create move whatever um is completely customizable there but you've got the the added benefit of actually it's it's reliability the the fact that it can scale and and all of the great points that you've come up with there's I suppose the the question I've answered my own question now, haven't I? Why would you want to enter access or, or edit the core code of Big Commerce? Well, quite frankly, you wouldn't because there's absolutely no need to.
1: Yeah, Craig. Do you want a sales job at Big Commerce?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: you've done a great job there. It's exactly that. I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, uh, the only time you would is if, as we said at the start, you wanted to go down the path of being master of your own destiny and becoming your own software company. But for for most businesses, that isn't what they want. What they want is the ability to know if they need to build out a bit of functionality that they can do it. Quite often what I hear back from IT teams is, you've not met our our VP of e-commerce. They come up with crazy ideas at a moment's notice and we've gotta get implemented by the end of the week. Like, how can I know that I'm not gonna have any problems in your software as a service world? Well, what we then do is we say, well look, show me what the what they've been. like. Bring up the last year's worth of uh, crazy requests. And we'll show you how, in big commerce, we would solve for them. And as I say, I've never been presented with a requirement that we've not been able to uh, achieve on big commerce. It's just a case of approaching it from a different angle. Can you edit our back-end interface? No. Can you create new functionality so that you can build tools out for your users? Yes. So it's just approaching things from a different angle. Uh, and really and truly, I don't know why people wouldn't want to leverage it. Um, with big commerce, what people are able to do? is completely remove the time and effort that's spent in dealing with everything to do with hosting security patches upgrades and focus all of that time instead on new revenue generating activities it's same time same money different outcome
2: sounds good to me i mean i I can't think of any reason why they can justify anything other than SAS, to be honest, at this point. You know, I think there there will be a case, I suppose, if I wanted to set my own version of Amazon up um, and I was going to scale it to that size. There, there could be an argument there. Um, in reality, is that possible for me to do? No. Um, but I think, you know, certainly for the vast majority of, of people and businesses out there that actually SAS is, is at very least worth a serious consideration
1: yeah and i think the the key point nowadays as well is that what you want to spend time innovating on and developing on is putting your business in front of the consumer so it's about building out new ways in order to reach those consumers the back-end technology the powerhouse of the transactions of the product information of the customers you want to have a tool like big commerce that's just provided you don't even need to think about it pay us your uh, monthly annual subscription fee and it's just delivered for you but what you know you've got for that are all of these tools and apis and interfaces that you can use to go out there and innovate to go out there and put yourself in front of your consumers so that your front of mind um uh and, and going to get their business
2: yeah absolutely and to be fair actually we've had some feedback from some of our customers recently um you know with the the serious increases in in demand on the e-commerce market uh you know naturally let alone with with recent um extreme circumstances e-commerce has effectively exploded in a in a really positive way and a lot of our stores have come back to us and, and the e-com managers have come back and said do you know what? I'm actually able to sleep at night with all of this going on, knowing that it's just taken care of and the reliability's there. And I think some people go into it tentatively, saying, "Do you know what? A lot of it could just be marketing spin." But when you've got real-life customers quoting it, and then you've got, certainly from our perspective as well, the, the customers that we have put and, and helped onto big commerce coming back to us and saying, "Do you know what? It, it does do what they say it does," and I think that makes a massive difference.
1: Yeah, it's great to hear that feedback as well. And I mean, ultimately, I believe this is one of the reasons why our platform last year got voted by Gartner's Peer Insights as the best e commerce platform for fast growing and mid
0: market businesses. Okay, well, well thanks, guys. That's a, it was a great conversation there um, on the, uh, the virtues of SaaS and um, I'm working with, uh, with both Deep and Blue and Big Commerce. Uh, just just one point there, Mark, that I'd like to to, to raise. Um, I suppose in a roundabout where you do have Craig as a salesperson for Big Commerce. <laughs> uh, he's he's very firmly sat within the uh, within the um, DTB uh, e-commerce um, e-commerce team, and uh, and we're looking forward to uh, to working on uh, on more projects with you uh, in the coming months. I hope everyone's enjoyed the um, the last in the three-part episode of our uh, sound bites. Um, Stay tuned to uh, for the release of uh, of the next in the series. Many thanks. Bye.